0: and welcome back to Responsible Adult uh, to episode two in which I talk to Perrin. Perrin is my mum's best friend and is one of the funniest, most caring, loving, gorgeous women I've ever known. Uh, She's fascinating, you'll love her and in this chat we talk mostly about a kind of mismatched adulthood. So what happens when adulthood is kind of thrust upon you before you really want it And how that has ramifications throughout your life. So, you know, in and amongst that, we talk about flitting through jobs, um, not really having a plan. We talk about learning to not want to be liked by everyone as a really key part of growing up. Um, We talk about reclaiming the label of sensible as something that is, you know, out of your control, but can be a, a good way to be. Mistake of the week is that Perrin, being the gorgeous, fashionable woman that she is, was wearing some lovely bangles, so there's a pretty consistent jangling noise going on. Nothing I can do about that, I'm very sorry. Um, so I do really hope you enjoy as we learn about Perrin becoming a responsible adult. Okay, so... Yes. Hello. Hello, cheers. <laughs> so I'm here with Perrin, who is my mum's oldest and best friend. Indeed. Um, probably the first adult I ever knew, <laughs> almost certainly. Probably, yes. Um, and her kids are probably the first big kids I ever knew. Mm. We've never not known each other in my life. No. And when did you meet my mum? So I met Kate,
1: um, I can remember it vividly, I, we um, used to hang out in Richmond, um, and we were Big 15. <laughs> yeah. It sounds rich, but actually it really wasn't that posh at the time, um, and uh, we used to frequent pubs um, underage, obviously, and in those <laughs> days um, they did used to let people in and they never asked your age, they were very happy to have your custom so um, yeah, so we used to sort of frequent pubs, and and then there was always a party, a party afterwards, nice. uh, somewhere where people would go, um, and it would always be you'd be in the pub, and it, because in those days pubs closed really early as well, that was the other thing. Um, so then we would actually um, say, right, where's everyone? Now? Where's the party? Where's the party afterwards? Which never really sort of materialised, but but we'd go and hang out around somebody's house. Um, so I was 15, and I met Kate. And it was actually a really quite a nice person's place. And we, there was a pool, and um, which is very, it sounds very posh, but it wasn't usual. Um, And Kate was there, and we just struck up uh, chatting and just got on immediately um, and then kept in contact from then. I mean, obviously, there wasn't mobile phones or anything, so um, uh, we would just ring each other on landline um, and we would just always hook up. Uh, I was at that time at boarding Smoke school. Smoke
0: signals <laughs> yeah. out the window. <laughs> like,
1: well, it, it was funny, actually, because it, it, I think it was a slow thing, because, you know, we probably wouldn't see each other for a few months at a time. <clears throat> and then every time I was in London, because I was at boarding school at the time, um, away from London, we would we would hook up and we'd just, you know, always have a laugh. And as I say, go underage drinking. Did you is... say
0: you went to boarding school?
1: Yes, I did, yeah.
0: So that was, a, that was at one of the Steiner schools, wasn't it? Yeah, the
1: Steiner School in Forest Road called Michael Hall.
0: So was that a particularly grown-up experience,
1: or did you feel like...? Um, I didn't feel grown-up when I went there. I started at the age of 10, and um, I was just very excited to go because my older sister had been there. So I thought it would make, make me feel very grown-up. Um, but I did thoroughly enjoy it. I did; It was a fantastic experience, mm. um, but, um, but it certainly didn't make me feel adult because it was quite childish and child Sure.
0: Um, How old were you when you left? Old uh, experience, sixteen. So just just after you met my mum, or
1: yes, nice. yes. So sort of a year, eighteen months after I met your mum. Yeah.
0: So you grew up in Richmond as
1: well, or Chiswick? Chiswick. Yeah, just okay. outside. Yeah, with the park. <laughs> yes, yes, the park. We used to hang out in the park as <laughs> the well. The industrial yeah. park. And that was usually yeah. That was yeah. Um, we used to hang out on the green as well. Especially in the summertime, which was fantastic, which is uh, where all the pubs were in Richmond.
0: Richmond Green. Yeah. I was there not, not too long ago. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I went with um, with a couple of, well, my, my oldest school friends. We went to celebrate, well, accidentally we went to celebrate our 10th anniversary. Um, we met on the bus in 2008. And um, oh, this summer lovely. we ended up, because I was <coughs> working in London, one of them, Susie, lives in Kingston. So yeah. we met kind of in the middle. And I came home and told mum, and she, she was white in the face going, I can't believe you're hanging out on Richard Green. <laughs> and especially the with a girl called Susie. One of your mum's best friends was called Susie. Of course, yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. So you grew up in Chiswick. <clears throat> yeah. So did you have any moment of leaving home, making a big move out? or?
1: Yeah, I mean, actually, it was actually quite a tragic um, um, incident in my life. So, so in actual fact, it wasn't a pleasurable incident at all because... Mm. My mum uh, rejected me at the age of 17 and asked me to move out. Mm-hmm. Um, she was pregnant with my sister and was with her fourth husband um, and uh, didn't really want me to live with her anymore. It was quite simple. So I had to move in with my grandmother, who was a saint, um, a lovely woman. Um, so, no, I didn't feel grown up at all, and I didn't feel ready for the world. No, um, it was it was a huge rejection, so I certainly wasn't prepared in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. So um, yeah, that wasn't a pleasurable experience.
0: No. So you moved in your, with your grandmother, but was it were you seeking kind of consolation outside of the home, or did you find that your grandmother was yeah, I mean, someone to turn to.
1: Yeah, my grandmother was always even even when as a child, my grandmother was always the the more responsible adult, if you like, mm. than my mother ever was. <clears throat> my mother's always been childlike she still is <laughs> even now <laughs> um uh, I'm probably more responsible than my mother um well, I like to think I am anyway uh but um so so that she's always been a constant for me um where my mother's always been somebody that I couldn't quite reach mm. um and couldn't quite connect to um and so <clears throat> yeah so 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 it was awkward times and 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 that's that was a struggle for me uh, throughout, really, throughout my adulthood. I think it's probably, if I'm honest, uh, I would imagine only in the last 15 years or so that, that I've come to terms with that relationship. Yeah.
0: So what filled your days back then when you were 16, with hanging out with my mum? And... <laughs> okay, so, so
1: mostly, as I say, I was at boarding school during that time. Mm-hmm. But when I left boarding school, um, I was... Uh, I guess, like any other teenager, really interested in boys most of the time, <laughs> really um, uh, interested in music madly. I mean, music is uh, probably uh, sounds corny, and, and I can remember the song, but is my first love. Um, and uh, it has been something that is my go to as well in times of anything, in times of any kind of feelings at all, which can range from happiness through to, to tragic sadness. Mm. Um, so, so it's, it's some, you know, it's been a comfort, a huge comfort for me. So, uh, listen to music a lot. Um, did you go and see, lots of bands, lots of bands. And, um, uh, I, I, I kind of dappled with being a punk as well, but I was a pretty, pretty shit one because I liked disco and and (laughs) funk as well as liking punk music. Mm. So I kind of, um, as a bit of a contradiction really. So I used to kind of hide it and Elvis of course was, Uh, yes definitely know you for your Elvis yeah um so I um yeah so I sort of had to sort of mask that a little bit because of peer pressure trying to be really cool and be a punk and hang out down the king's road with other like-minded people saying oh yes no I love the clash and Susie Sue do you
0: think they're all faking it um I like to think
1: so but but actually so I think some of them were deadly serious um and and they were quite fearsome really but um I think, I think some of them probably were, yeah, looking back. But I didn't think so at the time. At the time, I just thought they were all so cool. <laughs> and, um, and, and I never felt like I fitted in with any of them at all. Mm. But I tried desperately to.
0: We were particularly, because I'm always interested in this, certainly something that my generation associate with that age is finally getting to go out and drink. And I don't know, like my mum always says that it just wasn't the same because there was never really this kind of wait until you were 18. That excitement didn't really build up. So you kind no. of just... That's right. I mean, absolutely. Bobbed along.
1: Because the times were so different anyway. And drink really wasn't as prevalent. You know, as, it wasn't so much of it around as there is now. And I know that sounds funny, but it was like old man's pubs that were uh, mostly, that were only open till. at night and then closed all day unless it was between 1 and 3 or something like that. And there were very strict laws about it. And then, of course, uh, supermarkets didn't sell it either. Um, So the emphasis wasn't really on alcohol, apart from the fact we did drink quite a lot and underage, but Mm. there wasn't a huge amount of just drinking, I don't think. There was a lot of smoking spliffs Mm. as well. So there was a huge element of that. That was very exciting because that was a sort of th- massive throwback from the sixties. And that was another thing, because I could steal it off my mother. <laughs> because my mother my mother used to deal dope because she didn't work, not a day day's work in a whole life. So and so she'd always have people coming around the house and stuff. And there would always be bits lying about and I'd actually nick it and then and then I'd be everyone's best friend, as you can imagine. Of
0: course. I can imagine. Doing so that. yeah,
1: it wasn't, um, but yeah, you're right. It is that sort of kudos thing of can I drink or can I smoke or mm. it was still very cool to be able to do all those things. But I don't think it was, I don't think it was just that. Mm. I think for me, it was about being accepted
0: and about being um, uh, taken seriously. Sure. So what were your, what were your plans at that age? What did you have? In, your, um, in your I really sights. didn't
1: have any plans at all um, and I think I, I, I always kind of felt a little bit robbed of that and that's that's um, obviously my sort of slight bitterness really but I guess because robbed I was... Robbed of that by your mum? Yeah, because I was thrown out into the work environment and um, I, I wanted to go to college and I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, 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 I didn't have any ambition at all because... I literally had to just make ends meet, yeah, and and do whatever I could. But I've always had a massive work ethic, so I have always yeah, for sure. worked, um, and that was really important to me, and it ma- and it gave me independence, and that was something that I've fiercely held to my whole life. But but um, but it was but it was something that was thrust on me rather than me having the opportunity to to, to explore what I would like to do. Mm. So, what did you end up doing? Um, so initially, all, yeah. <laughs> well, initially, I uh, started off at seventeen working in a shoe shop, um, and then I, I worked in a very salubrious um, strip club in um, the centre of of London for a short space of time, which was a very stupid thing to do. But actually, um, I imagined that I had a lot of control over it. Uh, Working there as a waitress, mm. and um, and thought you know I was very, being very grown up, being in that environment. But in fact, I wasn't. I was a child. Yeah. Um, and looking back, it wasn't a, a very good decision. But um, but it it was well paid, which made me feel again I had a, had some kind of control over my life. Um, so I didn't do it for very long, as I say. And then after that, eventually I can't, I can't remember. that I had several different rubbish jobs really and I sort of flitted from one thing to the next and then I ended up at Hobbs in Kensington uh, Gardens and um, uh, and became manager of that so that kind of made me feel a little bit more like I had some importance or some, yeah. some standing in life really but that really wasn't until I was about 22 okay
0: So that was one of my other questions. What were were you doing when you were 21?
1: Hmm. Well, when I was 21, oh, massive, massive rebel. So at the time, um, I had, um, I kind of, yeah, I I became rebellious a bit later on. So I wasn't really rebellious uh, during my teen years. I was struggling just to kind of find my identity. So I sort of, my rebellion started in my early 20s, really. And I sort of just went a bit wild and I had just had a massive party um, in Chiswick. And I hired this, um, the basement of this fantastic, it was called, uh, what was it called? The Old Cinema, it was called. <laughs> and it was actually an old cinema, <clears throat> but they'd made it out into a, in, into a sort of um, flea market. Nice. Uh, the upstairs. And the basement was, um, was nothing uh, at all, really. It sort of had this makeshift bar. And then they would hire it out for parties and things at weekends. So that's what I
0: did. Sounds like 21. it would be hugely it, gentrified these days. <laughs> I'd, it
1: probably would. It wasn't then. It was a dive, but it was it was fantastic dive, and and there was no Facebook or anything. So invitations were like written and <laughs> sent. But even so, even then, there were probably nearly two hundred people turned up.
0: Nice. It
1: was huge, and they had to even start turning away people because. Then, once the problem is is when you're on a high street as well, when people see people coming in, oh look all that noise, so were there people there you that you didn't know? um yeah, there were actually by the end, because I was sort of wandering around, and it was crammed. There were lots of people I did know, but then there was, was... my mum
0: there, I
1: think she was. I can't remember actually, if I'm really honest, I can't remember, but yeah,
0: that's fair enough. Good party sounds like it was it was
1: great, <laughs> it was really good, yeah.
0: So it sounds like were you a, were you consciously a cool person when you were twenty one? like con- if, you you two, s- if you had two if you had two hundred friends, it sounds like from from an outside. I don't think they were. I don't think they were... were
1: all friends. Not really. You know, I think they were just like people who knew people. Oh, there's a party, that type of thing. Um, but generally, uh, generally, generally, I was reasonably popular um, because I am a people pleaser, but also. Um, at that point in my life, I had a bit of an attitude of I don't give a shit, and I think uh, people are a bit drawn to that sometimes, um, at that age, anyway. And um, yeah, so so it's a it's a fake popularity, isn't it? But it but you know it worked at the time and it made me feel happy mm. at the
0: time. For <laughs> so sure, it was okay. I don't think there's any other kind really yeah. than fake popularity. Mm. I think everyone just tries. Yeah, tries their best. Yeah. It's very rare, I think, to find well, that's what, when you say you're a people pleaser, it almost sounds too cynical to me. I think you are just a very likable Oh likable and that's friendly lovely. and warm Thank person. You. Thank you.
1: <laughs> I think um I think yeah, I mean I, I, I think I think certainly I, I probably was a little bit more fake at that at that time, but I think I think sometimes you have to be when you're younger a little bit to sort of find to find out that you don't need to be. Does that make sense? Mm. And I think yeah, sometimes. For sure. Sometimes you kind of have to go through that to realise that you just have to be yourself or that you just, and if people don't like you like that, then and not everybody's going to like you. And that's a very difficult thing to kind of accept at some point in your
0: life and to realise. I only ask just because I think that's definitely something defining my, you know, I'm still living it every day, but that's definitely defining my young adulthood is overcoming a very, very childish sense of, Panic and desperation to be liked by everyone. yes and that that that's actually on every level something that I. That's when I think I'll finally feel like an adult is when I can just relax yeah. and feel like it's I don't nice need feeling. to try. It's anymore. a nice
1: feeling. It's a really nice feeling. And actually, funnily enough, you don't know when it happens, so it's not like a. It's not like an immediate thing. you will hmm. suddenly just look at, back and think, oh, that happened.
0: Hmm.
1: So it it, it is an incredibly gradual thing and it's it is just purely about your own confidence isn't it and, yeah. and it is about thinking uh and being happy in yourself so so that that is such a slow progress of of, of a human being i would imagine um of any human being that, that there is just kind of one moment where you're feeling relaxed and you think oh that i don't feel like that anymore like you know yeah. when something happens perhaps in the room where you know where there's something that happens, and normally you'd be very tense or anxious about it, and then you realise you're not, and you're really not. You're not just pretending you're not. Yeah, <laughs> you know I've,
0: that line is so blurred these days. Yeah, I don't know if I'll ever be able to tell the difference you between you pretending will. or not. You will. It does take. You know, different people are different, and
1: some people have always felt like that. I can't imagine that. You know, I, I think, oh, how lovely. Um. And I I still even cynically wonder whether they're faking that, you know. But um, I've had that conversation with many people
0: over the years. I Um, remember talking to mum about it just, like, over the years. Just, I think, sometimes school playground politics. Yeah. Uh, In my very... Like, when Ed was still at school and I was at secondary school and I, Ed being my brother for listeners, (laughs) Mm. um, when Ed was still at primary school and I was at secondary school and a bit older, and stuff would happen and I'd go... Um, you're talking about this like you're my age like (laughs) like do do, do you not all just like each other when you're older and she's going no it's older no (laughs) no it's not that simple and you know I don't know if that's just school playground politics or whether that does just follow certain people around maybe or maybe it's just that
1: she's right in that there, there are people that behave in certain ways that will still mm. upset you and still give you concern exactly but, but it takes two to are, tango yeah but there are also yes and but there are also uh there are also much easier moments of letting that go and also of recognizing that you can't please everybody mm. and that you won't necessarily be everyone's friend mm. and that's okay so it doesn't mean that every situation you don't get affected by you know that's not that's you know that's the utopia yeah. but but it means that that you are confident enough to know that you can't possibly and and so therefore you become more relaxed but that doesn't mean that there won't be situations because certainly i i mean personally i find that the most important people in my life my closest friends my family and i consider you my family if if I upset any of those people or if I feel they are upset with me, that hugely affects me and that mm. always will. But I'm talking about uh, those kind of fly-by-night people, the people that you just... More shallow of, friendships. Yeah, and also people, just people that you would meet and that you want to impress. Mm. That that stops. You know, that that does end because you do relax more and think, uh, you'll either like me or you won't you know yeah
0: and so that's that's an easier journey yeah I think I feel that happening <clears throat> the more it's some it's definitely something I associate with like coming home to Brighton yeah is that it's a real it's relaxation on a lot of levels and one of those levels being that I know I have a group here of people that I really just don't need to try with yeah. anymore yeah and that's re- that's kind of so relaxing, and it's still quite yeah. quite rare having started a new job and everything. Like I just think every everything just seems to be so social still. Like yes. even and I haven't really had this kind of professional context really ever before. Like I've done bar bar jobs and stuff, but this real yes. it's a strange kind of axis um, that it exists on because at one level everyone's kind of acting very professional. And so many times I just, I kind of sit there thinking, is everyone just pretending to be like this or do they actually... Funny, it's funny you should ask that because actually probably
1: that's one element of um, my experience that I I can talk to you about that perhaps your mother can't because Mm. I have that, um, because I've worked in in an office, I still work in an office and have done for a long time and I completely um, understand what you're saying. And you're absolutely right. And I think it is a very, um, it's a very uneasy and uh, complicated situation to throw lots of people into a, uh, an environment, a small environment, where you spend a lot of time with people that you don't know, mm. and that you wouldn't necessarily be friends with. And it's, so it's,
0: it is quite complex. Yeah, you, but that's and the thing, so, you end up spending more time with yes, them than your actual friends. yes, yes. yes. But then, and I'm lucky, like, the people I work with, I would consider my friends. But then, you know, you leave, you leave that, yeah. that physical space. Yes. And you don't necessarily have that, you know, you have work parties and stuff. Yes. But that's the thing, everyone has to have, have the word connection. work as yeah, a yeah. prefix. Yes. You wouldn't necessarily yeah. kind of go out. and. But it does, even in that professional context, it does just seem to be, like, still kind of tribally social. And I think I have a... Yeah. I think I have a radar for it, just...
1: I think you. I, I think it takes time to get used to that environment, and I think it, it certainly did for me. And to feel confident enough and trust people enough mm. to, uh, but you also still have to be careful because because you still have to work with those people all the time. So so it's quite. It is a it is a false uh, situation because because showing any vulnerability, not that that's wrong uh, or should be wrong. But you know that you're going to have to live with that and the, the office politics of that at any point. So, so, people do have to have a certain amount of, of whatever you like, fake professionalism, yeah, however, for sure. however you like to call it, because, because they have to protect themselves. Protection,
0: yeah.
1: And so, and everybody sort of does that. And there are little, just if you're there for years, you know, there are tiny, tiny little movements in that and, and opportunities to kind of get to know particular mm. people but it is a different it is a strange mm. environment and i don't think you'd ever change that would mm. never change
0: so who who were your at that time who were your people that you didn't have any of that with who were your go-to kind to of people yeah your go to fully relaxed like your rocks at all that my time? girlfriends
1: all my girlfriends so i have kate i have daphne who lives in um elat in israel i have amanda who lives in greece although i don't see her very often but Yeah, she's it sounds like they're all spread out now years. yeah Sharita, of course, a massive influence and an incredible. I was gonna ask where well, you met Sharita. Um,
0: for listeners, Mama Cherry. <laughs> you will know her from the Gordon Ramsay Mama Cherry episode. Yes. Go check it out. Great yeah. television. Sharita, but we know her as Sharita. Yes. A wonderful, wonderful woman. So how did she you meet woman? I have to tell you a bit of news
1: actually. Just today, um, she has today got her 75th foster child. Wow so she that's incredible uh, it is incredible she's an incredible woman um and she's been an absolute rock to me and um and a lifeline many 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 times um and uh, she uh, i met her uh, again i was 17 i was um at my grandmother's <clears throat> and she lived in the flat above my grandmother um and she had just moved over from america with her husband then her then husband and her two very small children in those days you don't you can't advertise on like computer or anything so she'd stuck up a poster in the block <laughs> in, in the ground floor by the entrance babysitter needed blah, blah 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 so that was another job that i had so i applied to be her babysitter mm-hmm. age 17 and she literally, well, for one, I was her babysitter for a long time. Uh, and for two, she just completely took me under her wing, really. Um, and that's where I know her from. So I used to babysit her children.
0: And she's the godmother to your children? She's the
1: godmother to, my, to, to Briar. To yeah, Briar, yeah.
0: So Sharita, other various girlfriends. Did you all hang out as a group or?
1: No, no. So funnily enough, um, they all know each other, but they're all from different parts or times in my life. Um, uh, Kate knew um, Amanda quite well in fact uh, that's when Kate and I got very close was when we went to Greece together um, when we were 17 I think and at that point so we'd seen each other often but but at that point's when we got Mm. we got
0: very close because we spent uh, two weeks together Um, tell me more about your Greek holidays with my mum she (laughs) talks about them all the time does she we can't the word Greece can't be mentioned without her welling up thinking about those holidays
1: oh well that was great yeah we really did have a fantastic time and um and we went more than once didn't you yeah twice yeah so we were completely and utterly carefree me and your mum have great holidays together I love going away with your mum just (laughs) me and her it's always brilliant and um uh it doesn't have to be madly adventurous but we just we kind of just get on and we're very relaxed together all the time so there's never any sort of conflict or d- particular different i mean we can have different opinions but it's th- th- you know when you know somebody that well and as you said your friends in brighton mm-hmm. there just isn't any and it's just the most lovely feeling in the world and it is like how family should feel to me um mm-hmm. So how how old were you when you went on that first Greek trip? So the first Greek trip was seventeen. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Which is young actually. And yeah. and, and strangely, you know, um, you know, then it wasn't very common practice to, to go away abroad and certainly not on your own as a as a as a young woman at the age of seventeen, but night after night partying and then day after day lying on the beach recovering and swimming. <laughs> and um, yeah, and never really and uh, finding finding men with boats, I don't quite know how that happened to take us on the
0: island hopping and, you know, just, yeah, just fantastic. Time. All the stuff that she would certainly tell me not to do at the <laughs> age of she? seventeen. <laughs> well, I guess did you feel a certain did you feel kind of chuffed that you were going away at seventeen? because I you know, I went to like Paris when I was seventeen, and I probably wouldn't have admitted it, but I definitely felt like. Really grown up. Really I mean. grown up. Yeah,
1: I did feel really grown up going abroad, definitely, on my own. It was, it, you know, and I was on my own entirely until I got there, obviously. Um, but, you know, I could have spent the time on my own. I, yeah, Yes, so I did. Um, but that, that didn't really, bizarrely, that didn't, I didn't pay much homage to, to, to that particular feeling of um, strength in in being independent because I'd already as I say been thrust that anyway I think mine was more excitement at how much how much can I do and how much can I get away with and how much how much fun can I have uh without spending too much money really
0: yeah was that but was that kind of because it's interesting that you still talk about it in terms of rebellion because I would always associate that with rebellion against parents so was it kind of were you rebelling against no. Or almost doing it because you would have expected to do that had you still been living with your mum. So like, no, what, what my, were you my, rebelling my, against?
1: Mine wasn't. Mine wasn't being rebellious at all. Mine was just wanting to enjoy and, and life and be, yeah. yeah, and to be adventurous. So I've never actually, I've never actually wanted to be rebellious, and I've never, and when I have been and when I've uh, done things that are what I consider to be rebellious, which is something out of my comfort zone. I've never felt happy about it, mm. so I've, it's always felt forced, and it's never felt um, very exciting at all. So that the, the whole kind of ethos of rebellion to me personally, um, uh, and I'm sure lots of people would argue, but but uh, personally, is is a is a sense of fear, and anything anything fearful, I I don't like because I seek out something familiar. That's not to say that I won't be adventurous or try and have Mm. fun but I no, I
0: definitely get the difference yeah I've yeah
1: I mean I've done I've done scary things in my life that I wouldn't even want to share with you um and 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 the consequences of those things have made me realize that actually being that rebellious it's not worth it it's not exciting yeah so 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 yeah
0: so that isn't rebellion is
1: not something
0: well, I think that's I embrace. that's real maturity, to be honest, to know the difference between di- actual discomfort and yes. doing something that maybe yeah. others would call comfortable rebellion. Yeah, to know yeah. the difference w- when it doesn't feel like that for you, to know that and say, yeah. no, I'm just not, I'm not doing, yeah, I'm just not going to do that. Yeah, I that's do. Real I mean, maturity. I
1: I've certainly I've certainly had friends who who have um, who have pushed boundaries. Um, to the point where <clears throat> where it's been damaging to them and still been dug their heels in about how that would that makes them happy. Mm. And I've looked at them actually with sadness, you know, because I really don't
0: think that that is how they feel, if you like. Yeah. I've never even had the self-awareness to do that. I've always just felt like, oh, why don't I want to do those things? What's <laughs> wrong with me? But, yeah, I don't know. Like... No, If you did really
1: want to do them, you'd do them.
0: Exactly. And I think that's that's always been confusing for me. A lot of people have always said that well, I don't know because I feel quite immature and I feel like I'll always feel quite childlike in in the in the sense that I'm quite scared of a lot of things. I think that's brilliant. I've always associated that with feeling childish, but then actually no, it's the not. way that that manifests is yeah. A lot of people saying that I'm like the mum of the group. Yeah, yeah. So it's this it's actually a weird dichotomy dichotomy yeah yeah. and that everyone's always called me the mum because i'll I'll be the one that the sensible one yeah 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 but that's but well yeah i i I shouldn't really shy away from it no i hate that word so do you do okay yeah because it's always it's portrayed
1: as being negative but it's not it's absolutely not yeah it's 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 knowing your own mind is what it is yeah and i guess
0: that's even where the word comes from isn't it it's sensing yeah yeah. Sensing absolutely. how you feel. I think you should embrace that word. I've never I think you I've take never I've honestly never even thought about it in that way. And that makes so much more sense to me. Because it's always you know, it was never that's why I've always hated the word, because it was all it has always been used that, in negatively that connotation. against yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. But I just feel like I've always known yeah. the stuff that I don't want to do. Yeah. And like And you should embrace that and you should
1: be really I mean, that's just brilliant. And 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 similarly I have made mistakes, but I have always, um, the same thing, mm. I have always known my boundaries and I've always known <clears throat> what's right and what's wrong, what makes me okay with things and what doesn't. Um, and, I, and I understand your struggle because, because I'm, uh, same thing, You know, I've, and I have found myself pushed into situations where I felt uncomfortable and knew it wasn't right for me mm. and then regretted it afterwards and then thought, why? Well, I knew, innately knew that that wasn't right for me Not that anyone else, but not for me. So why didn't I just go with that? And so every time that's happened, I I now don't see sensible as, as a dirty word. I would see it as a, as I know my own mind and I know my own uh, my boundaries and what I'm happy with. Yeah, and I think that's that's brilliant.
0: Yeah, and I think like you know like. My dad's jokey word that he always calls my mum is sensible. Like that's a mm-hmm. joke that they have. But I don't see my mum as a boring person. Far from it. Exactly. So you know, I, I just hope that eventually people will. But that's the thing, and that's you... the reason I that's the reason I've had friends for ten years because like, you can be sensible and and not. But also, also great you, on people when you know? know somebody inside out. Like we know your mum, for example,
1: you absolutely know that 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 is just not an adjective you'd ever use yeah. for your mother, and. Um, you know, other people might have another view, that doesn't matter, you know, it's just like other people might have a view of you or of me, none of that matters, what matters is, is that most people are incredible, and only if they're true to themselves, and only Mm. if they're who they really are, yeah, and that, that shines through when I meet people, and I know, I mean, I know this might, uh, might sound arrogant, and I don't mean it to be, but, um, I I genuinely think I'm a pretty good judge of character and oh for sure and I can kind of tell you know when someone's a bullshitter and when someone is is a genuine person even if they're a bit shitty or a bit you know or or appear to be a Mm. little bit different to me you can sense you have an innate sense I think and you have it of a good person of a of a of a I don't like to say the word aura because that makes me sound really hippie. No, I, I, know I have that exact I mean. thing. I
0: say aura quite a lot. You know what I People mean? roll their eyes. No, yeah, but it's... Don't... Know? No, it's just a thing. It's just a thing that you get. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so actually, when did you... <clears throat> might be jumping a bit. I'm not even sure when you moved to Brighton. Uh,
1: so I moved to Brighton when... Uh, just after I'd... Uh, not just after I'd had Briar. Briar was a year old maybe just under a year old and so we've
0: skipped past meeting adrian
1: yeah we did yeah, yeah. so when did you meet adrian? so i met adrian at about 24 i think it was about 24 uh that was at hobbs um and i was his manager <laughs> ha, ha. scandalous and, uh, yeah yeah and uh yeah so he uh it was a bit of a rogue and um i just split up with my then boyfriend um i had a flat in Chiswick Yeah, he he was desperate to go out with me, and I kept saying no, because I had literally just split up with a boyfriend, so I wasn't, (laughs) I definitely wasn't up for having another relationship. I caved in the end. Mm. Um, Yeah, and we got together, and rest is history, but then, yes, so we decided, we lived in Islington for a short time, in his parents' basement flat, Mm -hmm. which they then sold, so we moved to a really dingy place in Brentford, which is just outside Chiswick, which is a real dive, and um, uh, we hated it, and I said, look, we can't afford anywhere, because I was pregnant with Briar, we can't afford anywhere in London at all, and actually it's not somewhere I want to bring up children, and I said, I've got this best mate in Brighton, so we came to visit and Jew, when they lived in Power Square, and um, had a lovely weekend. And I said, mentioned it to her. And she said, we'll find you somewhere. We'll find you somewhere. Aww. She was so lovely. And, um, and I didn't really think anything of it. But literally, like within a few weeks, she was, she was writing to me and ringing me and saying, there's this flat. I've seen this flat. Come down and have a look at this flat. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So we went, came down. And that was the place in Goldstone Villas. Oh. And it was it was a dive. I mean, it had no heating. It had um, bare floorboards. It had no furniture. It had no kitchen. It had nothing. It just had a, a cold water tap and an old belson sink. Um, and Adrian was like, "No, I'll do it up. I'll be able to do it." And we made this. We could never do this now. But with the letting agent, we made this deal that they, if we did up the flat, they wouldn't put our rent up for five years. I oh, was um, going
0: to ask. So you were still renting, and yeah. you were able to. Oh yeah do it all up yeah god yeah you absolutely couldn't do that now no it was it was mental and, I feel uh, like this is going to be a trend talking to everyone I'm going to hear stories of landlords being nice and rent being low That is it's just really going to fill low. worlds it was away so
1: low and and also it was um but it wasn't I mean it was it was barely habitable like it had one gas fire in the living room when we first moved in he we had to li- live in that room So we slept eight and everything in that room while he decorated the rest of the flat. It was a masonette. And um, at that time, that was when Flynn was born. It was in January. And I could remember seeing him all wrapped up and you could see his little breath as he was breathing. And he was like this tiny little thing and his little hands were really cold. It was so funny because you just... And and it was the old Tim Bath situation, you know, where we would Bath Briar because wow. we couldn't do it in the bathroom because it was just too cold. Mm. It was so funny. Funny to look back on that
0: But it was lovely. We were excited. Yeah. You've be I so did you feel like you kind of you still had it together, even though
1: Yeah, totally. I mean it was just so exciting to move to Brighton, to be somewhere new, um, to be near the sea, to be having a family, to be uh Knowing that I would I would make it so different to, to the experience that I had, and knowing that um, and that was exciting for me, and, and knowing that um, you know I only had Kate and Stu up the road who were just really supportive and helpful, and just also that uh, you know it was, a, it was a two new lives that I was responsible mm. for. Um, so
0: you consciously felt ready to kind of make it oh, utterly 100%, different, hundred
1: percent, and and I've never ever. I mean, it was it, it, it's it, it's so ridiculously ingrained, I think, in me to be so different to my upbringing that probably I've made huge mistakes in in so many other uh, ways, um, which I'm sure I have. But but in some in some respects, I, I I just almost felt like I couldn't fail because the only failure that there was 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 how I experienced childhood. So I was always going to do better than that. Yeah. So you know, so it was. Yeah, it was always going to be fine.
0: Mm. Do you think Adrian felt the same
1: uh, or more scared? I think I. I no. I think he was the same because even though his upbringing was entirely different to mine, mm. and he had a very, uh, very sort of straight, um, regimented type upbringing, he still felt as alien to them, I guess, as as I did to 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 my mother. Um, or estranged in my case, but yeah, um, so I think he knew as well, and he still now knows that he's so different to them, that he would do things so differently.
0: But it was a fun, fun time. Oh, it
1: was lovely, so lovely, so exciting. Um, just felt fuzzy and warm all the time, never, I mean, we were very poor, we didn't have any money at all, and um, Adrian used to... ha! <laughs> Adrian used to go, because we live right near Host Station, and he used to go over to Host Station, he used to have this big pile of coal. Um, I don't know what they used it for, but obviously <laughs> it used to do something to do with the trains, yeah. or something. And he used to go and steal coal from this <laughs> massive pile of coal, because he couldn't afford to buy lump coal. Lump by lump. <laughs> yeah, and, and we didn't have any central heating, so wow. um, So we could only have an open fire. So he used to yeah, nip across there and steal coal. was hilarious.
0: Oh, okay. So I'll just ask some. Um, yeah. <clears throat> let's call them quickfire questions, okay. but you don't have to answer them quickly. No, no. So, what advice would you give to yourself at twenty-one, but then also kind of me now, I guess? But mostly just any anyone a twenty-one-year-old woman. A twenty-one-year-old yeah uh, woman. Okay. I think I think what's
1: I know it's going to sound really corny, but I think what's really important is to try very hard to be comfortable in your skin mm-hmm. and that's the only thing to strive for because there is nothing else um, and so the sooner you do that the more you're <laughs> going to enjoy life really um, so that would be my number one. That's probably the hardest one you can
0: possibly <laughs> do
1: but in some ways it's not because, because the more you let go and realise that that is all there is mm. And that you don't have any control over that, like there is no way of controlling any of anything else. Yeah that is the only thing that you can do. Mm. Because, it, because everything else, if you, if you force everything else or you try too hard or you do all those things, it won't make you feel better mm. or different or good or happy or
0: Yeah. Mm. Um, when is the luckiest you've ever felt in your life now? now yeah that's lovely why
1: um i probably would have said that five years ago or 10 years ago Mm. or uh 15 years i i I probably would have said that from I, i imagine i would have said that from any time after i'd had my children
0: that's very lovely
1: but it's true um because i don't ever take anything for granted anymore um i think i'm amazingly um blessed with what i have Um, I I, literally, there isn't a day that goes by that I don't feel happy or content with my life. That's not to say that, that troubles and things don't happen Mm. along the way. But generally, when I look at my existence and what I've achieved, and how I've got to where I've got, and that's nothing to do with materialism at all, it's to do with me as a person. Um, but that kind of comes with it, I guess, a little bit. Um, is that uh, I've made huge achievements, and and I think, uh, you know, even just being a relatively good self, well-rounded person is a massive achievement, um, considering the struggles and the hurdles that I've had to get over. So, <clears throat> to me, uh, probably, if you asked me that any day, I would say, right now.
0: Oh, that's a great answer. Um, what What do you think in the world that i live in now i have to take advantage of that maybe you didn't when i was your when you were my age oh that's so difficult cuz i'm trying to make this not too negative a series yeah. cuz i feel like there's a lot of negative things you could say about where the world's gone
1: yeah um i i think we've come a long way with um with the feminist movement um uh, every day that i hear anything um you know, certainly about um, consensual sex, that type of thing, which I've experienced, had bad experiences with. Um, uh, I, I, I think I think the awareness of all of those type mm. of issues is, is be- much better than it ever was. Mm. Um, and I think people are taking all those subjects much more seriously and, uh, uh, and are open much more to, to having uh, a clearer and better understanding of what's right and wrong um so i think that's a a really good uh time i guess for women um to feel a little bit more empowered um i hope it progresses and gets better Mm. but i think right now is much better than it ever was
0: amazing and then to finish off i I... asked you to think of a song (laughs) that makes you think of all of this stuff that we've just talked about uh, well,
1: I initially said Katrina and the Waves, Walking on Sunshine, just because that was one um, thing that just popped into my mind. Mm. But as I've said previously, music was a huge influence and still is in my life. So it's incredibly difficult for me to um, to actually um, think of one particular song. Um, but if I had to um, erase Katrina and the Waves, I think it's We're Family.
0: Oh, Sister Sledge. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so this is the part of the podcast where if you're listening on Anchor, I will play you Sister Stretch. We are family Fantastic. because I can't pay for the copyright. <laughs> if you're listening anywhere else, we'll go straight into Perrin telling us why she loves that song so much and what it makes her think of.
1: Again, it just reminds me of uh, women being empowered, uh, women's friendship, um, the love and kindness that you can have in a family but also with close friends. Um, it's about a joyous feeling around the closeness of human beings.
0: Well, I reckon we can call it a day. Thank and you. And go and have a glass of wine. Love you. <laughs> you are.